Yeah, it's Wednesday, the 11th of January, 2023. Good afternoon to you. How are you? It's five o'clock here in the Republic of Salford. I'm Richie Allen, your BBG with you till seven o'clock with two guests joining me today. Please join in the programme by sharing your thoughts with me via my website, which is richieallen.co.uk. Uncensored, unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host... Richie Allen. Yeah, Michael Rivera will join the programme this hour. Michael is a brilliant broadcaster and journalist. He is also a one-time filmmaker. Michael will be joining me to round up the big news stories of the day, so don't miss him. He's the man behind whatreallyhappened.com, a phenomenal website and a great resource. Looking forward to catching up with Michael for the first time in Pente Pente Trace. That's 2023 to you. A little bit later on then... And I, again, I'm looking forward to this because it's been so long. Dr. Jesse Keener joins the program, a physician of nearly 40 years' experience. She's had clinical practices in Texas and in Florida. Jesse's just up for a good old chat. I can't wait for that. That's our two. It's Wednesday, the 11th of January, 2023. Yeah. And thanks for asking after the puppy. I did post a video on social media today to announce my guests and I did it from the car while the missus was in a vet around the corner with the golden retriever, Leia. I was in the car with the German Shepherd. She's got a little eye problem, Leia. Her eye is very itchy and she's scratching it on the floor and there's a little bit of pus. It's a typical doggy problem. The vet thinks it might be a mite or it might be something else. So she's having a couple of very harmless medications to clear it up. Nothing too serious, thank God, because we've had our trials and tribulations with our doggies over the years. But thanks for asking. She's 100%. It's been a strange day. You know the cost of living crisis is a big deal for everybody, for you, for me, and it does get a lot of attention from the corporate media. It certainly does, particularly energy bills. Well, today... <laughs> I'm not joking. I We opened up our latest gas and electric bill. The bill for December, and it was £401. Fuck off. It was, Brian. Fuck off. No, it was. It was. Did you hear that, Tom? 401 quid. No. Could you repeat it? Because I, I can't believe my fucking ears. £401. Oh, Jesus. I think they could hear my scream in Outer Mongolia. No, I think they could hear me scream in North Manchester. And then I thought, you know, we're fairly lucky insofar as we don't have children. I don't mean we're lucky we don't have children, even though I just said that, didn't I? But we don't, and we don't have a mortgage anymore. So it's terrible, but we'll probably just about manage it. And it got me thinking, because I am an empath. I know you don't think I am. I know you think I don't care. I do care. And that's the problem with me, I care. I wish I didn't care. Wouldn't it be easier not to care about people, wouldn't it? It actually would. You just couldn't give a shite. You just go about your daily business. But I do, and I was obviously thinking about people who are mortgaged up the wazoo, who do have children going to school, 
How can they cope with that? Like £401. The previous bill in November was about 230 quid. Now, admittedly, in December, we did have this cold snap for about seven, six, seven days where temperatures plummeted to minus eight, minus nine, minus ten even around here. So the heating was on a lot. But Jesus, huh? Huh? Anyway, I thought I'd share my pain with you. £401. Fuck off. It was, Brian. (laughs) It was. Oh, good God. There's only one place to start this afternoon on your Richie Allen show with your presenter. And that is Andrew Bridgen, the Tory backbencher. Eh, Scratch that. The former Tory backbencher. Oh, no, 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 we're not going to start there. I've got to do a correction. It's like the Carlsberg Complaints Department. So rarely do I have to do a correction because I'm so perfect. I'm not. I get so much wrong. I do, but you never call me out on it. But my friend Anne emailed me overnight. Anne, good morning. Good evening, even. Good evening, because you're in the UK these days as well. At least I think you are. Anne's a pilot and a pretty smart woman. She was on the programme about a year and a half ago, and we had a great chinwag. I hope she comes back, Anne. But she said to me, Richie, you made some balls of it yesterday with that BBC report about excess death. She said you played a report which claimed that 660,000 excess deaths. You know, she said you should have really twigged, you should have really copped on to that being a mistake by the BBC. She's absolutely right. I don't know why it didn't occur to me that it was a crazy story. This was the BBC News presenter yesterday afternoon. Now, a higher number than usual uh, of people in the UK died last year. The figure of excess deaths is nearly 660,000. It's not. He made a balls of it. Or whoever wrote the autocue for him made a complete Lee of it. It it isn't 660,000 excess deaths. And I should have noticed that. Thank you, Anne, which are big ears on you. Correction completed. It's not. It's 50,000 or... Well, it depends. There are several estimates as to how many excess deaths there have been. And this is very contentious, of course. And it leads or segues nicely into Andrew Bridgen, the MP who just before Christmas chaired a debate in the House of Commons about vaccine safety. In that debate, which was attended by about six people, six out of 660 MPs, 650 or thereabouts. Don't correct me. Anyhow, about six turned up. Six turned up, actually. It's one of the most serious issues on planet Earth. One. One of. And about six turned up. And he said we should suspend these mRNA jabs because they're doing great harm. Now, he's had the whip removed today, meaning he's been kicked out of the Conservative Party. Get out. Get out, you big bollocks. That's how they conveyed it to him. It's exactly what they said to him. Uh, Why? Well... And by the way, having the whip removed means he can't sit on the Tory backbenches. He will not be allowed to stand again for the Tories. What did he do? Did he kick the living shit out of Sajid Javid in the toilets? Sadly, no. Did he put salt down Theresa May's undercrackers? No, he didn't. He tweeted that a cardiologist had told him that the Covid jabs are, quote, the biggest crime against humanity since the Holocaust. And for that, he has been kicked out of the Conservative Party. Now, sadly, Andrew Bridgen seems to have deleted the tweet. And a number of you were on to me today to invite him on the programme. Are you stupid? Are you stupid? I've invited him on in the past. He declined to come on. 
yes, I did try and reach him again today to say I can pre-record you at any time. You've got nothing to lose now. Come on and chat with me. But he has not responded to those requests. The Conservative Party MPs were told never to appear on the Richie Allen show. That's a statement of fact that was in the press. The Guardian covered it. Sky News covered it. They won't come on with me. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Right. He, he seems to have deleted the tweet, which is a bit... Uh, listen, I'm not going to call him a coward because I don't think he's a coward, Bridgen. I don't think he's a coward at all. But anyway, this came up at Prime Minister's Questions today. You won't believe who had a question on it. It's only the... Well, not not quite the king of the jungle, but the slimiest bastard that ever went into the jungle. Matt Hancock, the former health secretary, had this to say to Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. Does the Prime Minister agree with me that the disgusting, anti-Semitic, anti-vax conspiracy theories that have been promulgated online this morning are not only deeply offensive, but anti-scientific and have no place in this house or in our wider society. Yeah, there has never been a greater hive of scum and villainy than Westminster. So Matt Hancock said, anti-Semitic conspiracy. There's nothing anti-Semitic about the COVID jab conspiracy theory. The conspiracy theory is, and I happen to subscribe to it, is that the COVID jabs are doing enormous damage around the world. They are. It is a fact. Right, where's the anti-Semitism? Well, a cardiologist, according to Andrew Bridgen, and we're taking him at his word, said it's the biggest crime against humanity since the Holocaust. How's that anti-Semitic? You're not allowed to mention the Holocaust ever when it comes to, when it comes to genocide, when it comes to mass murder. Because you see, a lot of doctors believe that this program of mRNA jabs is effectively mass murder. Because all of the evidence shows that it is killing lots of people. And if you carry on with the program, even though you know that it's likely to continue killing people, that is effectively mass murder. Now, Jews were interned and murdered in Germany and Austria and Poland in the 1930s and 1940s. For me, the comparison stands up. Many years ago, back in the year 2000, I think, or 2001, I can't remember, I was in Germany to see you too. So it had to be 2001. To see a friend of mine who lived in Germany, in Munich, and he put me up and we had a great old time of it for a week. And we went to see you too at the Olympia Halle on the Elevation Tour. Borneo! And we went and we had the time. We had the time of our lives. But we went a little bit further south of Munich to Dachau just to see the place and to talk to people down there. And in Dachau, of course, they did the most disgusting things to people, didn't they? They did altitude experiments on them. They gave them drugs that they knew would kill them. And they sat there and studied how long it took them to die and all of that. Now, they're giving people mRNA jabs. And at the beginning of this shit show, they gave them to people under duress. They threatened people that they would lose their jobs if they didn't take these fucking things. So the comparison to at least one aspect of the Holocaust certainly does stand up. Andrew Bridgen has nothing to apologise for. Anyway, so Matt Hancock, that weaselly, squeaky little bollocks, asked the Prime Minister, would he stand with him against the anti-Semitism and the conspiracy theories? What did Rishi Sunak say? 
Well, you can probably guess. Can I join with my right honourable friend in completely condemning those types of comments that we saw this morning in the strongest possible terms? Obviously, it is utterly unacceptable to make linkages and use language like that, and I'm determined... How is it unacceptable? Why is it unacceptable to compare it? Why is it unacceptable to ever mention the Holocaust when comparing, when talking about genocides? Four million people were killed in Vietnam. It was a genocide comparable to the Holocaust, although it was a bit different. They weren't rounding up the Vietnamese and killing them and machine gunning them to death and gassing them and sticking them with uh, injections. But it's still four million Vietnamese. So it stands up, right, the comparison. They are great offence, great offence, they say today. You won't be able to find a Jewish person. And I know this because I know many a Jewish person in the UK. You won't find a Jewish person who will tell you with a straight face that they are offended by that. You can't find one. You'll find them on the back benches of the Labour Party and the front benches of the Labour Party and all the benches in Westminster, all the virtue signalling dickheads, all the various MPs that are that hold memberships to Labour Friends of Israel and the Conservative Party Friends of Israel and the Lib Dem Friends of Israel. Oh, they'll jump up and talk about offence. Oh, it's terribly offensive. Oh, good God, it's terrible. That language, those linkages. What sort of fucking language is that? Those linkages are unacceptable. No, they're not. The Nazis stuck people with experimental drugs and fucking killed them. And that's exactly what's going on now. In fact, because I am broadcasting to about 115 countries around the world, and I really am, in some fucking time zone somewhere right now, somebody has been stuck with one of these toxic tidal wave of puss shit jabs. And that person might die because of it. Of course the comparison stands up. Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister. I mean, that the scourge of anti-Semitism... No, nothing to do with anti-Semitism. How is it anti-Semitic? ...is eradicated. It has absolutely no place in our society. And I know that the previous few years have been challenging for the Jewish community, and I never want them to experience anything like that ever again. What? What? The, the previous few years have been challenging for the Jewish community? How? How exactly? How have the Jews had a exceptional hardship in the last three years. Explain that to me. The answer is they haven't. The Jews are just like the Christians and the Muslims and the fucking other religious groups in this country. They've all been under the jackboot, the tyranny of lockdowns and vaccine mandates and children's mental health being destroyed by mask mandates and all of that. There was no exceptional hardship for the Jews in the last three years. It's bullshit. I say again, find me a Jewish person in this country who will tell you with a straight face that it is offensive to them to hear an MP describe the, vac- the mass vaccination with an experimental gene therapy drug which is killing God knows how many people. Find me a Jewish person who will say, oh, I'm terribly offended at the comparison. Because if that Jewish person has been to Dachau and seen and heard what went on there, they'll say, well, actually, now that you mention it, yeah, it's pretty fair. It's an analogy that does bear mentioning now that you say it there kind of a thing. It's exactly 16 minutes past the hour. 
But the media are covering this. John Craig, the deputy political, political, say it again. John Craig's the deputy political editor for Sky News. Now he's lost the Tory whip. He's in deep trouble. Now, at the beginning of this week, MPs uh, voted on the nod to suspend Mr Bridgen from the Commons for five sitting days. That was over a report by the Standards Committee which found that he'd breached rules by failing to declare uh, financial interests in a company when he was writing to ministers about the company. Well, earlier on this morning, he uh, uh, tweeted that uh, offensive uh, uh, quote about the Holocaust, and there was instant outrage from many senior Tories. Um, For example, Sajid Javid, another former health secretary, said it was uh, dangerous and wrong. Simon Clark, another former cabinet... Yes, Sajid Javid and Simon Clark. These are Israel's bootlickers, you know, these Tory MPs who will prostrate themselves and lick the boots of the Israeli state. It's all they are, these people, pathetic people, these conservative friends of Israel. Any mention of Jews or Jewish identity or Judaism or the Holocaust, these guys can't get to a microphone quick enough to condemn it. They never have a word to say, though, about the indigenous people of Palestine and how they're being exterminated by the Israeli authorities, day in, day out. Never have a word to say about that, anyway. Minister said it was disgraceful. Uh, Simon Hart, the Tory chief whip, uh, said that uh, Andrew Bridgen has crossed a line, causing great offence in the process. As a nation, we should be very proud of what's been achieved through the vaccine programme. The vaccine's the best defence against COVID we have. Misinformation about the vaccine causes harm and costs lives. I'm therefore removing the whip from Andrew Bridgen with immediate effect, pending a formal investigation. Now, Mr Bridgen appears to be in serious trouble. He's joined a long list, actually, of MPs of all parties who've had the whip suspended over the last year or so. Craig repeats about five times during this report that Andrew Bridgen is in serious trouble. You heard the mention there of a formal investigation. What what, what is there to formally investigate? The guy Bridgen has listened to scientists, to doctors, to cardiologists. Real ones. They have told him that the jabs are deadly for some people. Seriously deadly. They have said that in their expert opinion, the programme needs to be stopped. What is there to investigate? Bridgen says that one cardiologist told him that this is basically the worst thing that's happened to humanity since the Holocaust. What is there to investigate? Exactly. I don't, I can't figure this out. Hmm. There's also been a call today from John Mann, now Lord Mann, the former Labour MP, who's now the government's independent advisor on anti-Semitism. He says Mr Bridgen should be barred from standing for the Conservatives at the next election. There's no possibility he could be allowed to stand, he said. Well, he's in very serious trouble now. He's in serious trouble, says John Craig again. And at the end of that report, he repeats... He's in serious trouble. Andrew Bridgen is in serious trouble. But he's not really in serious trouble. I doubt at this stage he gives a shit, to be honest. But I, I don't know. I, I there are questions I would like to put to Andrew Bridgen, but he won't come on this programme. Because when they come on this programme, public figures, they are vilified by the press for coming on with me because I've had some interesting guests in the past. That's how it goes. But anyway, it's 19 minutes past the hour. Is it a good thing? You, I mean, you tell me you know more than I do. And I mean that on most things. Is it a good thing, This even the fact that the media have gone to town on Bridgen today? Is that a good thing? 
Is it possible that might alert some people who are not yet in the know that these jobs are completely unnecessary? Absolutely unnecessary. They don't do diddly shit, these jobs. They don't prevent you getting anything. They don't. They certainly don't lessen the impact of it on you. They don't prevent you transmitting it, uh, transmitting it even. And, of course, COVID is a very mild respiratory illness which only has a mortality rate. Uh, sorry, which has a survivability rate of about 99.7 or 99.8%. So maybe it's a good thing that this is out in the open today that this guy has been fired for questioning the jabs. But of course, they've put this spin on it that he's some sort of anti-Semite. Now, I've got to acknowledge, a number of you reached out to me today to say, surely Andrew Bridgen is not that stupid. Surely Andrew Bridgen would have known the shitstorm he would have created by bringing the Holocaust into it. That is a good point, dear listener. If Bridgen knew that they would use that stick to beat him with, if he knew that it was risky to mention the Holocaust because it would give his opponents a stick stick even to beat him with, and it would give them the opportunity to use terms like anti-Semitism, well, then he's an idiot. But maybe he didn't. He was repeating, seemingly, something told to him by a cardiologist. But again, I know there are some of you who think he was naive or he knew what he was doing. I can't believe that. And you can call me naive, but how many rabbit holes do you have to go down before you start believing that Andrew Bridgen is working against people and that he's part of some plan, he's part of some plot to discredit those who question the safety of the vaccines? I don't believe Andrew Bridgen is part of some plan, he's part of some conspiracy to discredit the cardiologists who have questioned the safety of the vaccines. Nothing is impossible, I suppose, but come on, you know. (laughs) You tell me, richieallen.co.uk, comment live, top of menu bar. Okie doke. And thanks for all your messages thus far. Um, It's best to, to, to drop me a paragraph or two and not like 17 paragraphs. I'm saying this to Steve T., because I'm not going to read that, Steve. At least not when I'm on air anyway. Uh, for me to read out your comment and for me to understand it, just drop me a message through the website, but keep it to a couple of paragraphs if you can. Faisal says, actually, this constant bleating about anti-Semitism at the drop of a hat is likely to backfire on them. Thanks, Faisal. Angela, who is Jewish, how are you doing, Angela? Uh, says, anti-Semitic, anti-vax, eh, she says. As a Jewish woman, can I be anti-Semitic too? Well, according to sources in Israel, you can, Angela, because Hasidic Jews are often referred to as self-hating Jews, aren't they? And Orthodox Jews too. But uh, thanks for your comments. I really appreciate them. Uh, Hi to Diane, hi to Paul. He says he's at a point where he wouldn't rule anything out. And after seeing the backlash that Andrew Bridgen has caused, it wouldn't surprise me if the whole thing had been staged in a deliberate attempt to stifle the rising dissent about the shots. I know it seems far-fetched, says Paul, but that Holocaust comparison was an open goal to the powers that be, and it just seems so brainless for him to have given them the ammo. Yes. And just to answer a couple of questions about our gas and electric bill. 
Yes, it was £401. And that was with readings. It's an accurate reading. And I, I have heard, since I've mentioned it, since I've been on air, I've had a couple of emails, uh, emails through the contact form on the website from people who have had similar bills for, for December. Yeah. Yeah, and it's going to get worse. Hi to Jean Ann, who's on the website too. It's uh, grey and gloomy in Connemara, she says. Doubtless Richie will cheer me up. I don't know about cheering you up or anybody else, but we'll have a good chinwag with Michael Rivero uh, very soon. And a bit later on in the programme, Dr. Jesse Keener will be here for a conversation. Also, it's 24 minutes past the hour. I am Richie Allen, your BBG. Hi there. It's Eamon here from Immunex365, and I just want to give you a quick update for the new year. We are now in the depths of winter, and due to the lack of adequate sunlight, it is also the time when those of us living in the Northern Hemisphere have the lowest levels of vitamin D in our bodies. If there is ever a time to give your immune system a boost, it is probably now. Also, I'm really happy to be able to tell you that not only have we been able to substantially reduce the price of Immunex 365 since we launched in October last, but we can now supply directly to Ireland. For details of how each of the supplements in Immunex 365 are formulated to work together and protect you from colds, flu and other respiratory diseases this winter, just head over to immunex365.co.uk. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's live from a pretty grim and gloomy Salford, but then that's the case for most of the country. Patricia sends this into the website. Thanks, Patricia. The truth is that there will always be Jews who cry anti-Semitism. As soon as attention is focused on what they know shows too many of them are involved in questionable situations, their ultimate defence is calling those people anti-Semitic. A lot of people have had their careers and good names destroyed by that label. That's, there's, there's no doubt you're right to, to say that, Patricia. But when, when it comes to a lot of what's been said in recent years, particularly here in the UK, when they accused the former leader of the Labour Party, Jeremy Corbyn, of fermenting anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. Most of that stuff wasn't coming from Jews. It was coming from other groups. And even today, I've struggled to find Jewish people, even online, who are going after Andrew Bridgen because of his Holocaust comparison. Again, not his comparison. He says it was a cardiologist who said it to him that the last time, or sorry, that the, the COVID jab injury thing is the worst thing to happen to humanity since the Holocaust. I can't find, and I know, I genuinely do know Jewish people in this city. My accountants are Jewish. The accountants for the Richie Allen Show. Um, brilliant people. Accounts Direct, they're known as. Stephen Englander, lovely. Andrew Rosenberg, lovely men. I've known them for years, so we've had these conversations. I've asked them, lads, you're Jews. Have you had anti-Semitism? Have you had to put up with it? And to a man, and Tony, of course, as well, Andrew's father, Tony Rosenberg. Now I've never, never experienced it, Richie. If I was to ring up my accountant after the show, they wouldn't be there, they'd be gone home. But if I rang him up in the morning and I said, lads, are you offended or grievously wounded by the comparison between the COVID jab injuries and, you know, the Holocaust? Are you terribly offended by that? And should we label that as anti-Semitism? I'm pretty sure that my accountants would probably say to me something along the lines of... Fuck off. What? Fuck off. Exactly. And that's, that's kind of something that's kind of come to pass in recent years. Third parties taking offence on behalf 
of an other group. You know? You can apply that to any debate. Gender issues and stuff. It's third parties who don't have a dog in the fight. Taking offence, taking umbrage on behalf of a group. And you see that today with bridging. You don't see lots of Jewish people, even well-known ones, saying, oh, this is terrible, this guy should be kicked out of Parliament. They're not saying anything, because they couldn't give a shit. You see, in my opinion, it's time for a tune. When we come back, I should have Michael Rivera with me. And that's uh, going to be good. It's going to be a good thing to talk to Michael. This is Howard Jones on The Richie Allen Show. This is Like To Get To Know You Well. Child of the 80s. Child of the 80s. Yeah, Howard Jones and like to get to know you well half past the hour. Let's welcome back to the programme for the first time in 2023 uh, the terrific broadcast journalist, the man behind whatreallyhappened.com, the one and only Michael Rivero. Michael, Happy New Year to you. How are you? I'm fine and Happy New Year to you too. Now, Michael, if I'm a child of the 1980s and my musical decade is the 1980s, which musical decade best sums up Michael Rivero? <laughs> uh, that would be, uh, well, I was born in the 50s. I'm 70 years old now, and uh, my music tastes uh, tend to run to things like ragtime. Fantastic. Ragtime, my backside. You're not that bloody old. So I'm thinking late 60s, 70s then for you. Yes. Yeah, Eagles. Yeah, Doobie Brothers. Yeah, I love a bit of that. Michael, welcome back. Good to have you on. So much to talk about. You, of course, have your minions. You have your spies around the world picking up stories from everywhere. So you will know that the Conservative Party has kicked an MP out of Parliament today called Andrew Bridgen because he shared a message from a cardiologist, Michael. The cardiologist said that the vaccine, the mRNA vaccine injury scenario is the worst thing to happen to humanity since the Holocaust. Some politicians have accused him of anti-Semitism for saying that. What's your opinion? Yes, you you don't mess with the Holocaust, uh, you know, uh, you don't compare anything to it. You certainly don't question it. Uh, But yeah, this whole COVID mRNA vaccine situation is a disaster. And I'm seeing an attempt uh, by our corporate media to try and normalize all these very young athletic people just dropping dead uh, the, the way they tried to normalize autism. Now, when I was a kid, uh, back during the last Great Ice Age, autism was very, very rare. It was one out of hundreds and hundreds of kids. And uh, as we got more and more of these mandated vaccines, uh, childhood vaccines, r- autism rates kept going up. Uh, they just recently discovered that the hair of autistic children does contain high amounts of aluminum. And even though there's been an effort to get certain compounds like th- thimerosal removed from the vaccines, there's still a lot of aluminum in the vaccines, and it's causing a huge amount of damage. And the uh, response by the industry to that has been, well, you know, just autism's just part of life, and uh, it's perfectly normal to have all these autistic kids. And now they're doing the same thing uh, with uh, this space of uh, young athletic people just dropping dead in the middle of uh, uh, events or in in one case that just happened the guy was just walking home from uh, from school and just fell over dead and uh, the attitude we're getting from the media is well you know these things happen uh, it's just part of life and we should all just accept it and go on about our business and uh, 
it, it is it is a, a major major catastrophe. It's the biggest medical disaster since the lidomide. In fact, I think it's probably uh, gone past that. And uh, uh, of course, uh, Project Veritas uh, just scored big. They got a Pfizer scientist. Uh, on video admitting they've known all along that these mRNA shots were going to cause cardiac uh, uh, damage, um, uh, myocarditis, periocarditis, uh, blood clotting. Uh, and I mean, the blood clotting was so bad for the Johnson & Johnson shot, it has already been pulled from the market. But there's billions and billions of dollars being made, and uh, the greed seems to be overruling uh, any other uh, considerations. <clears throat> and the, the attitude is, you know, we're getting rich here. And, you know, if, you know, some million people have died from the vaccines. I mean, there's plenty more people. The world is overpopulated. And you guys are just being picky, you know, crying over all these suddenly dead children. Michael, on the point you made a moment ago about a Pfizer executive, is I haven't seen this. Are you telling me that there is a, a video clip or a soundbite of a Pfizer executive out there admitting that they knew about the dangers of pericarditis and myocarditis? I haven't seen yeah, this. Yeah, it is. Uh, this just broke a few days ago. It's from Project Veritas. Uh, it's all over social media. And, uh, of course, this is going to remove uh, any indemnity the vaccine manufacturers have. Because here in the United States, uh, the laws are written where you cannot sue a vaccine maker for damage caused by the vaccines. And uh, this was written into the Homeland Security Act. There's also another separate piece of legislation saying, you know, they're trying their best. You know, they're a critical part of our infrastructure, especially if there's a biological war and uh, you can't sue them. But if the pharmaceutical industries are caught in illegal behavior or fraud, uh, then that indemnity goes away and the lawyers start drooling all over the courtroom. Uh, one example, of course, would be Purdue Pharmaceuticals and the Sackler family that were in large part responsible for the opioid uh, crisis that hit the United States. And uh, they, they were out there saying, well, you, we're indemnified, you can't sue us. Uh, then it was exposed that Purdue had literally been bribing medical care providers, uh, hospitals, doctors, and so forth to overprescribe these medications to create a permanent population of addicts uh, on which they would make huge amounts of money. And uh, with the, the exposure of criminal behavior, uh, it, it was then possibly to sue them, and they did get sued. There was a huge settlement. Uh, you know, uh, other companies like Pfizer, they've had to pay huge settlements in the past for very uh, questionable, unethical and illegal activity. And in the current context, uh, you know, we, we now even have the CDC acknowledging that these mRNA shots are not effective. Uh, they are very dangerous. Uh, we had uh, another Pfizer scientist that was testifying before the European Union saying they hadn't even tested yeah. to see if the vaccine would limit uh, transmission of the disease. And, of course, we were all hearing, oh, if you get this shot, you will not pass COVID on to your loved ones. And now we find out they didn't even test to see if that was uh, That's right. uh, that real was, or not. And that was the basis for mandating it, wasn't it? Or attempting to mandate it, this idea that yes. you're doing it for yeah, your fellow to, man. To get the... Uh, to, flatten the curve and uh, yeah. get that down and uh, uh, you know it's uh, <clears throat> it's a major major disaster and of course a lot of people have been permanently harmed a lot of people have died and uh, you, you know uh, th there's going to be horrendous lawsuits uh, 
and and uh, it, it, it's going to get really ugly uh, b- before this is all over. Michael, on, on the youngsters and athletes, you know, collapsing and the claims thereafter that the vaccines played some part, before I, I go any further, I have to put my cards on the table. I absolutely believe the cardiologists and doctors and even oncologists who've come out and said they believe the jabs are unnecessary and are doing great harm. So I do believe that. But there is a lot of mischief making in the independent media. And I've been doing my job not nearly as long as you, but I've been doing it long enough. And I'm a fair guy and I'm an objective journalist and I know you are as well. So I get pissed off when you see, you hear about somebody who's collapsed and immediately, and even some doctors are guilty here, people jump all over this and say, oh, the jabs, the jabs, the jabs. You and I both know that congenital defects affecting the heart are a real thing. Some young people are born with a hole in their heart and some young men, and this has happened over the years, uh, do collapse, sadly, and do die very young because this isn't detected. And I find, particularly in the last few months, you've got people jumping all over these things and even one particularly prominent physician you know, came out very quickly and said that the American football star who uh, had a heart attack after a tackle, oh, oh, that's the jab. That's not good practice, Mike, and it doesn't do those of us that want answers any good. It makes the independent media look a bit stupid. What do you think? Well, there's, <clears throat> there's a lot of stuff being planted in the independent media specifically to make us look bad. It's a propaganda technique called poisoning the well. But the reason people are very concerned about this is that uh, uh, autopsies on people who die immediately after getting these vaccines are revealing these very, very long uh, blood clots, very strange blood clots uh, throughout their entire bodies. There was a very tragic story that happened up in Washington State where there was this brand newborn baby uh, was uh, uh, basically born uh, severely anemic and needed a full blood transfusion. Now, the parents had lost a close friend uh, immediately following a COVID shot, so they arranged for a non-vaccinated donor for the blood for the baby and paid extra money and, uh, you know, for all of that. When it came time to uh, transfuse the baby, uh, the hospital is claiming they just couldn't find the unvaccinated blood, and they gave a shrug of their shoulders and said, oh, this is going to work. Uh, they transfused the baby with blood from a vaccinated donor. The baby died just days afterwards. And when they autopsied the body, they found a single blood clot reaching from the heart all the way down one of the legs to the foot. And you just, you just don't find that in no. babies. No, you don't. And I'm not hard-hearted. And maybe it's because I'm I'm not a parent. But do we apportion any blame, Michael? To the parents of some of these youngsters. I mean, don't you have a responsibility as a parent when you hear from a politician or when you hear from a doctor on the TV that your six-month-old baby should be jabbed? Don't you have some responsibility yourself to take that with a, you know, a large pinch of salt and actually look into yourself and look into how, you know, COVID didn't even brush children it hardly touched them at all let alone young yeah. young children so well, i don't want it, to be you, you know, know jumping not, yeah go ahead mike 
Yeah, it, it, it's coming out now. Now that Elon Musk owns Twitter, uh, he's dumping all the internal files, and it is coming on out uh, that the U.S. government and the pharmaceutical companies were working with online social media uh, to basically erase any uh, articles or posts, even from medical experts, uh, you know, questioning the safety and efficacy of the vaccines. Uh, there was actually a network of totally fake accounts set up, all of them claiming to be doctors saying, oh, the vaccine is safe, the vaccine is wonderful. And uh, so they were creating fake doctors to push this product while silencing real doctors saying, wait a minute, this, this is uh, being rushed along too much. And now even the FDA is admitting they deviated from the normal practice uh, in their rush to grant this emergency use authorization for the mRNA shots. Michael Rafferu is our guest. WhatReallyHappened.com. Get on there if you haven't before. We'll be carrying this conversation on. I will be a little bit later on in the programme with Dr. Jesse Keener. Michael, what's going on in Ukraine? We're, we're approaching the, the one-year anniversary of the invasion of Ukraine by, by the Russian army at the behest of President Vladimir Putin. But I don't know what to believe anymore, Michael. I don't know whether to believe there's actually even a conflict going on there. Because oh, I don't have a... What's happening there, Michael? definitely a conflict. Um, well, first of all, to understand what's going on in Ukraine, you need to go back to the reunification of Germany, where uh, the uh, former Soviet Union said, uh, OK, we'll go along with Germany reunifying, uh, but we insist that NATO do no more eastward expansion. Yeah. And uh, NATO said, oh, yes, you can trust us. And uh, Germany was reunified, and NATO promptly started you know, uh, bringing in more countries to the east uh, into NATO. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, the last thing Russia wants uh, is uh, nuclear missiles within easy striking distance of Moscow. That's what triggered the Cuban Missile Crisis back during uh, Kennedy's t uh, term in office. And uh, uh, things were exacerbated back in 2014 when the U.S. backed uh, a coup d'etat that overthrew the democratically elected government of President Yanukovych. Now, Yanukovych was very pro-Russian. He was very open to the idea of merging closer to the Russian republics. So uh, the U.S. went on in. They overthrew Yanukovych. They put in uh, the chocolate maker Poroshenko uh, to then be replaced by the stand-up comic Zelensky. Uh, and uh, Zelensky uh, basically started targeting ethnic Russians living in the eastern part of Ukraine. Now, to understand why this is an issue, imagine for a moment you are the president of the United States of America, and you learn that the president of Mexico is targeting and executing American expatriates living in Mexico. Are you going to do something about it or not? And uh, that was basically the situation that led Putin to do his special military operation to basically bring those uh, Russian-dominated areas of Ukraine uh, under their protection and also to increase the buffer zone for potential uh, missiles in Ukraine uh, aimed at Moscow. Uh, there is definitely a conflict going on. It got bogged down uh, because of... Uh, uh, the warm weather, everything turned to mud. It was very hard to move equipment. Uh, but now the temperature is cooling. The ground is hard. There's been a major battle uh, at Soledad, uh, yeah. which Russia won. And uh, I, I heard one report that something like 14 Ukrainian battalions were now completely surrounded and cut off. 
And so, uh, you, you know, Mike, you know, can I come back in money, on that? Can I come back in on that for a minute? Let me come back in on that because I, I, my question to you is very poorly worded, not for the first time. Of course, I, I know that there has been a conflict there, and the reasons you gave for it are are legitimate. Look, we, you and I spoke when. Victoria Newland, the Eurasian Secretary of the State Department, was complicit, not complicit, but she orchestrated the coup yes. that got rid of Yanukovych. We know, you and I know this, there's no doubt about that. I have no doubt that at the beginning of this, that the Russian intention or the President of Russia's intention was to secure those eastern regions. I have no doubt about that. By saying conflict, to me it seems like not much has happened in recent months. Now, you talked about a battle today. Can I just ask you this? You talked about this recent battle in Soledad. Yes. Michael, when, we have, when, when, when we've seen wars and battles reported in the news media over the years, those reports have been punctuated by people near enough the front lines, giving you, you know, really realistic reports with all the bangs and the explosions and, and all the rest of it. We don't get any of that regards the Ukraine and Russia. And that kind of concerns me. And I'll very quickly sum up my point, and then I'll shut up and get out of your way. And the reason, okay. I, the reason I'm suspicious about that, Michael, that we don't hear or see, we don't get the footage of any of this, is because what is happening in Ukraine in terms of what it has led to, the energy price crisis, the food price crisis, the cost of living crisis in the West, that all suits the Great Reset Agenda. What's happening in Ukraine now, regardless of how it's going down, is exactly, is music to the ears of people like Klaus Schwab. And that makes me suspicious. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're the uh, uh, information coming out of Ukraine is definitely being heavily filtered. Uh, but uh, that's always the case in war. Truth is the first casualty of war. And uh, especially after all the money uh, the U.S. government has taken from the American people and poured all over Ukraine, the last thing they want to do is admit uh, that this, like Afghanistan, was a failed venture uh, and that all that money that could have been, should have been spent on taking care of our own people uh, was literally wasted. Yeah, but we're not getting it from the Russians, Mike. Even from the Russians, we're not getting from RT and from the other news networks there, you know, technicolor footage of conflicts and battles. Just, just nothing. And I can't understand this. L listen, I'm not saying that th this proves that there's a big stalemate there and nobody's... I'm not saying that at all. I'm perfectly happy to, to consider that there are raging battles going on there. But there's just nothing. And, and that... I just get suspicious, Michael. It's our job, I suppose, to get suspicious. But the reasons you gave yes, for this conflict are right. Russia, Russia has a genuine 35, 40-year grievance with NATO and with, with promises made at the, you know, at the end of the, of, of the Cold War. Those promises weren't kept. These are all serious things. But, but then on saying that, Vladimir Putin did participate in the World Economic Forum Young Leaders Programme, didn't he? Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I think we, we also need to remember that a lot of information that would be coming from uh, Russia uh, is being filtered as it gets to us uh, in ways that are very, very subtle. Uh, I mean, again, this is what's coming out of those uh, Twitter papers from Elon Musk uh, is the extent 
to yeah. which uh, the U.S. government has compromised and controlled uh, online media distribution. I mean, after World War II, they did it with legacy media, radio, TV, and newspapers through Operation Mockingbird. And uh, obviously, uh, it's been expanded uh, into uh, uh, the virtual world. Uh, the Internet was originally designed by DARPA uh, to be uncensorable and unblockable. Uh, and then all of a sudden we had these uh, giant companies set up that became the go-to places to share information. Uh, and then we find out that those became the new gatekeepers. Michael, do you, do you trust Elon Musk? And do you believe he is sincere when he says that the censorship that went on at Twitter before he took over was wrong and that it's going to stop? Should he be trusted? Well, uh, I'm going to say basically the proof is in the pudding. Uh, I know it's a very long process. Uh, he's gotten rid of some of the real uh, uh, troublemakers, if you will, who were there to control a discussion. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's going to take a while to go through and rewrite all those algorithms. But uh, I am seeing changes over at Twitter. But we know now it wasn't just Twitter uh, because some of these email communications that got leaked out, the government uh, was hand in glove with Facebook over issues like the COVID vaccines. I mean, when the FDA finally came on out and said, yeah, there is a problem with these uh, shots, Facebook literally called up the White House and said, what do you want us to say about this? And so uh, uh, I, I think the safe answer is that of all the social media platforms, I trust Twitter the most right now. Charlie Burton is listening to this with great interest, Michael, and he's just posted a, a link on my website to something you spoke about earlier on. The Pfizer scientist Chris Croce, I think the guy's name is. Uh, yes. Or Chris, it could be pronounced Cross, I don't know. But he's the guy who's on the record as saying that they knew their mRNA jab was the likely cause for the myocarditis. I didn't doubt you for a minute, of course. I've been speaking to you for too many years. Bombshell stuff, Michael. But, of course, the problem is this should be blasted out on CNN, shouldn't it? It should be blasted out on BBC uh, News, should, but it's but not it going to be. It's not going to You know, and, and the reality is very simple. If you go over to CNN or MSNBC or whatever, uh, you never see news articles about... Uh, bad vaccines, but you will see lots and lots of commercials for the pharmaceutical companies. And this is how the pharmaceutical companies captured the TV news networks by uh, making them dependent on advertising revenue the way that Purdue wanted to make the population dependent on opioids. And anybody running one of these newsrooms, and most of them are running deeply in the red, they've lost so much of their audience, you're, you're not going to do anything to endanger that huge source of ad revenues coming on in. No, and speaking of the fines, Michael, they collectively, these companies, Glaxo and Pfizer and others they've lost billions over the years in fines for putting drugs on the market that they knew to be harmful and burying evidence that suggested these drugs were dangerous and knowing that i mean i've said to people in my in my own in my own community i've said why would you trust anything given to you by these gangsters who have been fined billions and billions of dollars for killing people with bad medicine over the last two, three, four decades. How could you trust them? Well, <clears throat> I certainly do not. Uh, uh, but uh, again, you know, for those people who are not uh, spending a great deal of time with the independent media, uh, they're still uh, emotionally, mentally dependent on uh, the TV news. 
And, uh, you know, there are fewer of them, uh, but uh, they're still out there. And the TV says that uh, the government says this is good for you and you should get it. And uh, people just went along with it obediently. And many of them are now learning a very, very hard lesson uh, that skepticism is a survival skill. Let's hope so, Michael. Just before we part company today, how long has WhatReallyHappened.com been on the web now? Uh, we started the uh, first version of the website back in 1994. Yeah. Uh, it was triggered off by my experiences uh, when looking into the uh, murder made to look like a suicide of White House Deputy Counsel Vincent Foster, uh, which triggered uh, uh, my blacklisting in Hollywood. And uh, it, it's, uh, it's since grown. It's been through several incarnations. Uh, we did a, a redo of the site last year. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's still out there. It's going strong. It's got a global membership. And uh, uh, we have a global audience on the radio show. And, you know, people, yeah. people are waking up and, uh, uh, to uh, not just the vaccine danger, but the massive election fraud that we're seeing in this country. Uh, and, uh, yeah, people, people they're, they're sort of losing their rose-colored glasses uh, and starting to see the world as it really is. Brilliant, Michael. 30 years then the website will be. It'll be the 30th anniversary sometime next year. It's a terrific resource for information. And on the website, you will find links to, I'm sure you know already, but if you're new to this programme, as you're new to Michael, you will find links to how to listen to the radio show, which is a terrifically well-researched and well-presented radio show too. Uh, regards to Claire, buddy. Great to speak to you. First time this year. I look forward to doing it again, Michael. Many thanks and uh, take care of yourself. You're welcome and I look forward to the next opportunity. Cheers, Michael. Michael Rivero, folks. It's Michael Rivero. It's whatreallyhappened.com. If you haven't checked it out before, do check it out. Nearly 30 years putting information in the public interest, putting it online, putting it out there. Um, there. There aren't too many people really doing it as long as that, I don't think. Great guy is Michael. The time is five minutes to the top of the hour. It's your comments, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's your comments. Let me just grab your comments there now. Add them lined up and then they're gone. Uh, but thanks to Charlie for sending me that link to the Pfizer guy. Thank you, Charlie. Really appreciate that. If I can play it, I'll play it in a moment. Give me a second there to reload it. It's like everything just disappeared on me. Do you know when, 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 when a jock or a presenter says that? It's bullshit. Nothing has disappeared. I've pressed the wrong button. It's as simple as that, really. No point in blaming the equipment. It's just me. I just kicked it off off the screen by doing something. That's why I won't have any of these touch screens. I've got some lovely monitors here. Huawei monitors. They're beautiful. Really good monitors. But I didn't opt for the touch screen ones because I just couldn't be. I couldn't be dealing with that sort of thing. I'd screw up so many times it would be untrue. Come on then, load for me, please. Load for me. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll take a tune. I'll take a tune then. And that will give me time to get this uh, bit of audio up for you and also to read your comments. It's your Richie Allen Show, Wednesday's programme. And this is Lou Rawls and Lady Love. Lady Love. Lady Love. Lou Rawls, Lady Love, the time is six o'clock here in Salford. I'm Richie Allen, BBG Towers, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk. The programme goes out on Fab Radio 2 in Manchester and it goes out on TuneIn Radio. That's at tunein.com. Check it out. You can follow me on Twitter 
I don't do an awful lot on Twitter, but it's it's back on there. Uh, the program is back on there. It's at BBG Richie on Twitter. That's BBG or I-C-H-I-E. It's on there. I do put one or two things up there from time to time. The, the I had It had been banned for about 18 months, 19 months. And then not long after Elon Musk promised that people would be unbanned, strangely enough, it was unbanned. And on that news, Hayden Hewitt's account has been restored. Uh, the former the LiveLeak.com frontman, the man who co-founded LiveLeak.com, the film director, Hayden Hewitt, and great friend of mine who has been a massive help to me over the years with the programme. He's back on there as well, although he isn't sure for how long. Well, none of us are sure for how long, hence the question to, to Michael Rivero. So, Michael referenced a, a clip which has been put out online by Project Veritas. Now, this is unsubstantiated for me. For me. I'm going to play this, but the caveat is, I don't know what's really going on here. But it purports to be somebody working for Project Veritas speaking to a Pfizer guy called Chris Croce, or Chris Croce, I don't know how you pronounce it. And it's scruffy audio, but I think you'll be able to hear it and understand it if you haven't heard it before. They talk about this young woman who's allegedly a reporter speaking to this guy who is allegedly a Pfizer scientist speaking about myocarditis. Would you like to hear a bit of it? Here it is. Chris Croce is a senior associate scientist with Pfizer. He goes on to explain a test that is currently taking place at Pfizer, not to determine the effectiveness, but to see if it is leading to heart attacks. I'm glad you didn't get any um, myocarditis. Yeah. That's a concern, right? Yeah. More so for younger people. What? Right, she says myocarditis is a concern, right? He says yes, more so for younger people. She asks why, and he says... That's what we're looking into right now. Oh, that, cool. Yeah, so, um, yeah, we're doing, we just sent like 3,000 patient samples mm-hmm. to get tested for like elevated troponin levels. Yeah. Um, to see if it's vaccine based or. So he's talking about elevated troponin levels in some young people. And Pfizer is sending samples away to see if this is vaccine-based. So the claim that this guy has admitted that Pfizer knew its jab would cause myocarditis, that claim is redundant. He hasn't said that. You don't have to be as experienced a journalist as me to know that he hasn't said that at all. That he has conceded that they are looking into myocarditis in young people to check if the vaccine is indeed responsible for it. But Project Veritas and some of their followers are saying that the guy has admitted that Pfizer knew that they knew their jab would cause myocarditis. Well, he hasn't admitted that. I I am not saying, of course, that Pfizer didn't know. I'm not saying that at all. But in this clip, he is not saying at all that Pfizer knew its jabs would cause myocarditis. So we've cleared that one up. It's always important to clear things up, isn't it? It's uh, four minutes past the hour. You can comment on the programme during the programme via richieallen.co.uk. My website is down again. The traffic is astronomical. It really is. And we're doing everything we can with the bandwidth and this. We really are. But 
what can we say? We're kind of popular at the moment. We, there is no we, there's me. The programme is doing okay, thank you very much. Oh, Jesus, I'll try and load it again and then I'll give up. I've got to get Dr. Jesse Keener on the line in any case. And I tell you, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this piece of music. It's Sting. When I come back, I will have Dr. Jesse Keener. And I will read some of your comments out later on. But I can't access them right now. Because my website is down. It's down, 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 down. This is Fields of Gold from Sting. I'm Richie Allen. It's terrific to be with you. It really is. Please support this programme if and when you can. It's really important. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support The Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. Hi to Baron Von Lotzov, who says the conspiracy circus, or conspiracy circus, is getting out of hand. So much counterintelligence and downright ridiculous conjecture by influencers. These people are after sensationalist headlines. Once more, to hell with the truth. They want your clicks and your cash. And these sensational issues preoccupy the minds of a once potential resistance. It's sad, really, says Baron von Lotzoff. That's an excellent comment. And he or she is referring there to the truther industrial complex, which is thriving at the moment. And no good can come of that, in my opinion. Jenny says, a number of years ago, I looked into the death of Vince Foster, as mentioned by Michael. And no way was that a suicide. I believe that he was working with the Clintons on the arms for drugs trade between the US and South American countries. More recently, I came across information on the coroner who pronounced it a suicide and gave a number of other dodgy verdicts. He was working hand in glove with the Clintons too. And Colin says, Richie, you said you had an announcement uh, on some changes to the show on Monday but never got around to it. That's right. It's not so much changes to the show. But I've got... A nice announcement about an addition to the show. And I'm not sure I'll get time to mention it today, but if I don't, I'll definitely mention it tomorrow. Uh, But thank you for the reminder, Colin. Um, Let's scroll on down. Lovely. Yeah. Uh, Ants has sent some information about some guy called James Melville. Thanks for that. I'll keep an eye on that. I did John Spargo as well. I'm going to just get Jesse on the programme. While I do that, um, have a listen to this. Back in 30 seconds with Dr. Jesse Keener. Hi there, it's Eamon here from ImmunX365 and I just want to give you a quick update for the new year. We are now in the depths of winter and due to the lack of adequate sunlight, it is also the time when those of us living in the Northern Hemisphere have the lowest levels of vitamin D in our bodies. If there is ever a time to give your immune system a boost, it is probably now. Also, I'm really happy to be able to tell you that not only have we been able to substantially reduce the price of Immunex 365 since we launched in October last, but we can now supply directly to Ireland. For details of how each of the supplements in Immunex 365 are formulated to work together and protect you from colds, flu and other respiratory diseases this winter, just head over to immunex365.co.uk. Uncensored, unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. Right, just waiting for Dr. Jesse Keener then to jump on. I think Jesse might be there if you've got a comment to make during the next 45 minutes or thereabouts. Do drop it to me via my website, richieallen.co.uk. I'm really excited to welcome back Dr. Jesse Keener to the programme. Jesse is. Um, it's fair to say 
that Jesse Keener was a very early critic, a very early critic of lockdowns and uh, was sounding the alarm about the dangers of mRNA COVID vaccines uh, from the get-go. Let's welcome back to the programme Dr. Jesse Keener. Jesse, it's an absolute pleasure to have you back on. How are you? I am doing great and getting better all the time, Richie, and I'm so pleased that uh, we're getting to connect again. It's been a while since it's October, lovely. actually. It, it, yeah, it, it has been, yeah. And I, I just mentioned in the introduction there, you were a very early critic. I mean, from basically from March 2020, you were very quick to, to, to step in and to warn of the dangers of locking people down, of keeping them from going to work, of masking children. Very early on, it's your absolute credit, Jesse. And even when the mRNA shots were first mentioned and we were told they would be rolled out at Christmas time in 2020, you, again, were, were one of the, the more early uh, physicians who came out and warned about the dangers of these things. Um, well, it's fair to say you were right, Jesse. Yeah, I don't like that I'm right about this, but it, it's true. That, that's really accurate. I remember saying on an interview with someone else in March of 2020, I said, if we think the virus is bad, wait till the vaccines come out. And I hold to that. It's, it's really what happened, isn't it? It is indeed. And before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about children. Because I don't know what it's like where you are. in Because uh, you're in Texas at the moment, as far as I know. And, and yes. you'll be able to speak to Texas. But we've had a number of reports, Jesse, here in the UK, that the development of, of young children in terms of their language skills has really been stunted by what's happened in the last two and a half years. And that there is a, you know, a, a cohort of children now, aged three, four, and they are way behind, way behind even where they should be in terms of their language skills and their communication skills. I guess that doesn't surprise you, Jesse. Anecdotally, is that going on in Texas too? Well, I think it's going on everywhere. It's certainly going on here. And um, to boot, I have a client in South Florida who migrated to North Carolina. She's a speech pathologist. She saw it in, in the schools left and right. Can you imagine being a speech pathologist in, a, in an elementary school and everyone has to wear a mask? And you've got kids that stutter, that have a hair lip, that have you know something where they cannot enunciate or use their mouth properly. And you're working with them and you have to wear a mask. She said it's gone straight downhill for three years straight, Richie. Really tragic. And did she did she fight against that, Jesse? Did she say, no, I'm not going to, you know, to counsel these children. I'm not going to teach these children in that fashion. Did she did she ditch the mask? She she couldn't. I she mean, couldn't she basically was a mom of three supporting kids, and they said if you don't wear the mask, you don't have a job. You're fired. You're fired. Yes, this is your choice, but you can't come back. I have many people that I've worked with uh, over the decades with naturopathic medicine that were forced to get the jab over the last two years just to keep their job. And on that, Jesse, those who did, what have you been hearing about them in terms of their outcomes? Are they, are they still healthy? Well, and the good news is these are people that I trained well <laughs> over many years. So the good news is other than one having to have an, a, a weird emergency surgery for an eye issue that was rare and I immediately knew, okay, I know what that's from. Everyone else is doing relatively well. 
Now that's good news, but these are people that are not average citizens. These are people that really take care of their bodies, really supplement, do things like meditate, exercise. So these are not your average citizens. The average citizens, of course, are doomed. Doomed, right. We'll come back to that. Now, you will be aware that here in the UK, there's a huge story here at the moment, and it's about excess deaths. And in the last 12 months, excess deaths in the country have risen by 9%. That's in the last 12 months. So just in case some of our listeners don't understand. So they take the average amount of deaths in a country over a five-year period. So they, 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 they put on record how many people die each year over a five-year period. And they say, right, that's the norm. Anything above that is considered to be excess deaths. And they reckon anywhere between 50 and 70,000 more people died than should have died in the last 12 months. Here's the $64 million question, and nobody's better, I don't think, placed than you, Jesse, to answer this. How do we determine between those people who died because they weren't given access to routine treatments or routine exploratory procedures. You know, people who have died of cancer, but they might not have died of cancer if they had been caught earlier. And then maybe people who have succumbed to the vaccine. This is the big question. How do we even begin to try and differentiate out those who are denied treatment? Because in England anyway, the NHS here became a COVID-only treatment service and cancers and diabetes and everything else was ignored. But how do we even begin to try and understand who died because they didn't get treatment and what are the vaccines doing? Well, that's an excellent question. I think the first thing I'd respond with is this. We already know, and um, there's a fellow right here in Central Texas that I've been following for a very, very long time. His name is Mike Adams. I started following him on Facebook when he first launched because I love what he's up to. Former techie turned, health guru turned, Mr. I have my own television channel where I won't censor people. Plus, he actually has the naturalnews.com st- store. And... Um, so, so we've been we've been watching all of this. He actually did a live, and it can't be censored because it's his own channel. <laughs> he did a live expose where he took blood samples because he has his own lab now. He's made enough money doing what he does. He has his own lab, and it's all the you know the certifications. Everything is stellar, and they showed the uh, nanite-like graphene. Uh, matter in the blood that looks like it's causing blood clots, but they're not actually biological from that human being's own mechanism, blood clots. They're clots, yes, but not blood clots. So we already know this. And we know this is very, very particular to the mRNA vaccinations. We know this. So that's not debatable. It's just highly censored. Uh, But I'm also in a really good mood these days because of what's happening on Twitter. And I do predict uh, as the slow trickle continues, we're going to see a lot more evidence of people that were censored coming back. Here's what we can watch. When Joe Mercola gets put back on Twitter, we're in really good shape because he was calling it from day one just like I was. So we do have tell. We know who's going to be succumbing from the vaccinations. And then the people that die of, say, complications from initial COVID, didn't get the treatment that probably would have worked for them, got put on those ventilators, lots of those people out there, right? Those deaths are going to be from malpractice. Those deaths won't be from 
things causing blood clots that aren't really made out of blood, yeah. those will be literally medical malpractices down the road. When we realized that physicians were prohibited from using a medication that would totally work and forced to do things that would actually not work. So it's, it is very distinct. And I think there'll always be a little blur in the lines because a lot of deaths aren't one thing. Having worked in the being alive and fully aliveness field for 40 years, I can assure you death is never one thing. Uh, a lot of the deaths will be people that had comorbidities either way. In other words, Richie, either they got sick with something that was deemed Corona-19 virus or they got the vax and they died pretty early on, but they were already really not well. They were very clever at the outset when we think back. I remember yes. I remember in the summer of 2020, uh, a Telegraph journalist, a mainstream journalist, courageously put a story out and, and the, the Telegraph took it up. I couldn't believe it really. But, but he blew the whistle on how they were counting COVID deaths. And you've just reminded me of that there. They were counting anyone who died within 30 days of testing positive for COVID. That was just pure evil genius, that, wasn't it? When you think about it. Yeah, I've said this to my husband over and over. Yeah. I have to give it to them on the genius of this. If I had to design a systemic approach to take over the world, I'd give it 110 years exactly. I'd form the AMA and fund it just the way we did. I'd progress that over and over until we've stamped out all the good naturopaths and natural healers. I'd make sure that big pharma constantly poo-pooed natural remedies and supplements. I'd start mandating vaccines. And by the way, I have been a lifelong critic of the AMA produced vaccinations because they're all bad, they're all toxic, they're all poison and none of them actually prevent disease, but that's another story. So when you look at this thing, it's been a progr- it's been 110 years Richie in the making. 110 and years. Yeah. And genius and and evil, but genius. Yes, I agree. I'm impressed. Let me ask you this cuz if I don't, I'll be accused of giving you um, you know, an easy an easy ride, right? Like, I, I know from speaking to you previously and reading you, by the way, Dr. Jesse can be found online at drjesse.life and it's J-E-S-S-I-E. So it's drjesse.life. If you're on Twitter, look for Dr. Jesse Keener. You'll find her there and follow her on Twitter. Always interesting. Tweeting, putting really in- interesting and factual information out on social media. Look, there will be parents listening to this and they will say, hang on a second now, Jesse. Since the introduction of the global measles vaccine program, measles in most places in the world has basically disappeared. So that must have been a good job and it must have saved, you know, many a parent a lot of grief with with, with measles babies and measles children. What would you say to those parents who say the measles job was fantastic? Well, <clears throat> you know, I don't want to say no, it wasn't. I will say, yeah, it was the best thing that you had at the time because you didn't know that there was a homeopathic, non-toxic version of that available for your child. See, that's really the issue. Uh, We have immunizations available through homeopathic remedies. They literally immunize the body for any specific disease that you apply it for. And there are hundreds of diseases that we can immunize for. The allopathic or pharmaceutical versions always have adjunctives that always are toxic. And the adjunctives, in other words, additives, 
are extremely toxic to the human body. And when people really dive down on this, such as Robert F. Kennedy and parents, you should follow him and his, his lifelong campaign for the children's defense, that children could have a better way of being immunized. So the vaccines contain heavy metals. They contain things that should never go into a body like that. And so I think that's really where I want to, that's the hill I'm going to stand on. There are other people out there that have written really great, great literature about how actually no vaccination eradicated any disease. What happened was upgrades in lifestyle, sanitation, (laughs) nutrition happened, and these diseases died down. I'm not going to stand on that hill, although I I, I kind of sign up for it. I stand on the hill of no, no, no. There are homeopathic no-sodes to immunize anything and everything. My strapping, gorgeous 36-year-old daughter, who is listening in Austin, Texas, was fully immunized using homeopathy. So that's the place that I think there's been so much censorship and so much hiding and snuffing out. And that was the original mandate of the American Medical Association that Rockefeller funded. Yeah. He made he made them go after people like me back in the day, 1910 to 1925 and 35. He made them go after the herbalists and shut down the naturopathic colleges because they wanted to, they knew what they wanted. Hey, he had just lost a monopoly or is about to lose a monopoly with Standard Oil. So he wanted his next monopoly, right? And he got it. And it's interesting you talking about, um, we could talk about Andrew Wakefield, who I believe was stitched up. I mean, I, I I followed that case many years ago. I've interviewed the man several times on the MMR jab and, and autism, and I'm convinced he was right. Not because I want to believe he was right, but as an objective journalist looking at all the evidence and looking at how it was peer-reviewed at the very outset, he was stitched up, Andrew Wakefield. I, I, I think he was right. Dr. Jesse Keener is our guest uh, to, uh, this hour on, on Wednesday's Richie Allen Show. Fantastic to be chatting with you again, Jesse. On... Um, on the jabs, on the mRNA jabs, here's the thing you see. I know this because I follow you and others. You and, and, and several others I get my information from, people I can trust. I know you're, you're, you're going to follow the, the narrative wherever it takes you. Wherever it goes, you'll go there. Wherever the science goes, that's where you'll go. We, we know that they've got mRNA jabs in production for pretty much everything. Um, skin cancers, all manner of things, autoimmune disorders. And again, some people will laugh when, when I say that because they will say, well, Richie, how ironic is it to be developing mRNA jabs for autoimmune disorders that might be caused by, by other vaccines? I, I totally get that. I don't imagine, no matter how bad it gets, Jesse, that there will ever be an admission by governments or by pharmaceutical companies that these mRNA jabs have caused harm. I think your legacy will be, you and all the other doctors who've had the courage to stand up, your legacy will be saved lives, I believe. I believe a lot of people will see online or will notice in their own communities that somebody has dropped dead after having an mRNA jab. They will immediately start looking into it. They will find Jesse Keener. They will find Joseph Marcola. They will start to see what's going on. But but I don't think there will ever be any admission or any suspension of this program by governments or by pharmaceutical companies because they plan to be injecting us with mRNA jabs, well, to the end of time. How, how do you see that? 
Well, I think there's a very interesting development with Mr. Musk purchasing Twitter. And, he, you know, he's releasing the Twitter files. And I know you're newly installed in Twitter. I don't, know, I don't know if you've even had a moment to look at some of the sub stacks that are screaming uh, about, you know, what's been going on. And he's about to release the Fauci files. Now, once the Fauci files are released and, and a lot of people globally can see all of the corruption and all the fraud, and then we get a few people put back on Twitter that have been outing him for a very long time. Hey, there's a guy that's still on Twitter, by the way, and I just want to give him some kudos. John Rappaport. John, He's yeah. 80 years old. He's still writing like a banshee. And he outed Fauci on the AIDS thing a long, long time ago. And uh, so all of that stuff is proven. It's real. It's just been highly censored. And, and it's, you know, we've been blinded by whatever else. But I don't necessarily agree with you, Richie, about it'll never be cleaned up. It'll never be held accountable. Maybe financially they won't be held accountable. But I think enough people are going to start to see between the combination of hashtag died suddenly yeah. and the files, I, I think we're going to have enough of the population saying, hey, uh, wait a second, enough children dying. I hate to say that. I really hate to say that. But I think enough children and teenagers and young adults dying. Uh, I think we're going to see a movement and I don't think it's going to be fast. But I think it will be it will be there. Also, there's something very interesting happening in Russia. And Russia is pretty much outing the U.S. and some of its allies for just about everything from from toxic vaccinations to globalism to da 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 da. So, you know, we don't really know how Russia handled COVID-19, do we? No, no. That's a, a good, good point, this, because I've had this out with with um, commentators on this program who would be very much in favour of Russia. Now, I'm not, I'm not not in favour of Russia. I'm pretty on the fence when it comes to these things. I believe Russia has a genuine grievance with the West in terms of NATO expansion. Of course I do, and the overthrow of the Ukrainian president, Yanukovych. Of course, look, we could get into all of that. So, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm like you, I wonder, what did Russia do? Because... I guarantee you they did not buy from Big Pharma. They had their own job, didn't they? I guarantee you they even jabbed. Because <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. Uh, we really don't know. But I would speculate. So here's what I know about the general trend of Russia. They have become the largest producer of organic produce in the world. And Putin went on record 10 years ago and said, we're going to do that. We're doing this. Because I think he saw the writing on the wall of where, especially the U.S. with their obesity and diabetes and heart disease way pre-COVID, he was like, man, they've GMO'd themselves into oblivion. And so he started giving 10 acres and 100 acres of land to people that wanted to farm. So his whole trend, and you know, you have to understand, Russia has had a trend for the last 50 years around building superhumans. And I don't necessarily mean artificially superhuman. I mean superhumans. They were pioneers in getting babies swimming underwater at birth. They were pioneers in all kinds of extrasensory things. So I would speculate that Putin is going to continue to out some of how big pharma operates. And I think that ultimately will be helpful. Look, there's nothing we can do about BRICS. It's happening. It's going down. They're getting bigger and bolder. More countries are going to be joining. They're buying the gold. They're about to make the dollar go down. And I think that's all planned, too. And I'm not against it. 
But um, yeah, I just think that we need to be very careful in discriminating with Russia because they have had a long-term system in place to make sure that they can create extremely healthy, powerful human beings. That's news. It's brilliant to hear that. That's absolutely news to me. And on Russia, I would never categorize Russia or believe that Russia is any sort of existential threat to to Western peace and prosperity. I don't buy into that. The Russians should be left well enough alone uh, would, would, would be my kind of mantra if I was in politics. I certainly wouldn't be arming Ukraine against Russia or anything like it. If I was in charge, there wouldn't be any more NATO bases built around the country either. That's fascinating that, Jesse. I didn't know any of that, that they take, they've taken a more holistic approach to living life and to growing and to developing their children. That is absolutely fascinating. It really is. Well, yeah, you know, FDA... CDC, uh, our, our, all of our health, uh, big governmental health organizations, everything's run by big pharma, right? The, the legacy media is run by big pharma. Yeah. Um, so I, I believe that, you know, again, right, wrong, good or bad, there's genius in what Putin does. There's just genius in it. And um, where, where it is in the, in the very high end holistic circles that, you know, Russians never had a movement like the AMA took over America. They never went through that. There never was a revolution from here's what works to no, no, just by this. We don't care if it works or doesn't work. Your symptom will be gone. So I think it's fascinating. So they're not known for any type of medicine such as India is known for Ayurvedic or China is known for Chinese herbal medicine. Russia is just sort of quietly in the background doing their thing. But I wouldn't be shocked if they start having, you know, they're, they're where the births are happening. Do you know what I mean? We have excess mortality. We have birth rates dropping like crazy. I say keep your eye on Russia for what a healthy population starts to look like. We are listening to Dr. Jesse Keener. What a breath of fresh air you are, Jesse. I'm not patronising you. I really mean that. It's great to have you back on the programme. Find uh, Jesse online at drjesse.life. Here's one there. Let's let's stir it. I don't mean stir it with you now. We're not going to fall out, but my listeners are going to fall out with me. Let's stir the pot here. Jesse. Germ, yes. germ theory. Versus, oh, I knew you were going to ask this. Well, I'm just going to listen to you. I'm not going to argue with you because I don't know. Look, just just very briefly before I shut up and get out of Jesse's way. I'm that guy. Look, I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. I'm fit and healthy. I'm a big old Irish lump, right? But whenever somebody comes into an office and they sneeze, and it's not somebody I'm living with or sharing, you know, a, you know, a space with ordinarily, but if there's a bit of a bug going around, a bit of a virus... I generally end up getting it and I'll be the one smothering and sneezing and all the rest of it. So I've never had any reason to doubt like germ theory, but I'm open-minded. This is a independent news radio show. We talk about everything and anything. What's going on, Jesse? Is there some truth to this idea that viruses are not as we were brought up to believe they are, that they've never been isolated and that the environment plays a much bigger role in our health than, than than maybe we used to understand. What do you think? Well, you know, we talked about this a little bit back in October. And, um, you know, my answer is still yes. Is it terrain versus germ? My answer is yes. And I was thinking about this this morning, sitting on my couch, meditating about our show today. And I thought, yep, we're going to end up talking about this. And what do I really want to say? I want to say this. I want to say that the environment of the body is the most important thing when it comes to whether you get a virus or don't get a virus. 
and I speak literally. So that that is that. It is all about the environment. Is a virus a real thing? I think so. But I also think that they can be produced by the own human cells as what they call an exosome. It's something the cell has to manufacture and push outside of itself to get rid of this. And it could be a combination of things, heavy metals. We we don't really know. So the reality is they never isolated COVID-19. That was all bullocks, as you guys like to say over the pond. And I think I think we can catch things. However, we have to have the right receptacle for that thing. I have been in practice now for 37 years. I have literally had clients come in to one of my brick and mortar clinics, talk with me. I go through the examination stuff and I tell them that I'm concerned because I'm seeing a lot of stuff that doesn't look right. And they go, oh, I forgot to tell you, doc, I got diagnosed with mono three days ago. Now, anyone that knows anything about mononucleosis knows it's really contagious, especially in the early stages. Um, So you would think that I would be catching that, but I would never catch anything. I would have live active strep throats in the room and I would never catch anything. But it's because I know how to take care of my body. Now, because I do believe that viruses can be real and contagious. So in other words, I don't think they're make believe, (laughs) but because they can be transmitted, whether I produced that through a toxic thing in my cell and I made my own virus and then it got outside of me and got got breathed in by somebody else, or your body made that virus itself because you had parasites and you ate some gluten and drank a beer and it was just too much inflammation and congestion. Bottom line is I know what to do. So that gal that said, oh, I forgot to tell you I had mono, I got a little bit in her face and said, you know, Monica, that's the sort of thing you say as you walk in the door. (laughs) Half an hour later, but I did just calmly walk over, washed my hands and picked up my liquid bottle of homeopathic antiviral and put 10 drops under my tongue, walked over, said, lift up your tongue. I'm going to give you a dose of this. And then I said, get up and let's go ahead and send you home with your own version of this antiviral and the other things we're going to work on. So, so again, if we think the only alternative to getting sick is just um, taking over the counter pharmaceuticals, we're just wrong. It's that homeopathic remedies have been hidden, especially in Great Britain and your and and America and the European there. Union. Do you, do you remember twelve, thirteen years ago, the European Union went to town on on homeopathy and on herbal and natural remedies. I remember this happening at the time I covered it. I was based in Spain at the time doing a radio show. And obviously it was tyrannical. It was outrageous. So, you know, we we talked, we spoke up against it and I brought on various homeopaths to talk about it. You're right. This has been going on for decades and decades, this attack on the natural world and the natural way of healing. And can I just endorse something you said there, Jesse? My better half, Caroline, is a French woman, right? We've lived together for 20 years. Only two times in that, this is not an exaggeration. When I say two, I mean two. I'm saying this to my listeners. Only twice in 20 years has that woman been ill. Now, she is far, far more healthy than I am. Virtually no to very little alcohol intake. 
you know, takes good supplements and, and, and vitamins or vitamins, as you will say there, um, much more spiritual than, than, than I am. I'm an Irish guy, Jesse, pint of Guinness, you know, all the bad stuff, right? She's only been ill twice and not seriously ill in 20 years, which goes some way to, you know, I don't know, dispelling this idea of germs because she should have been sick more often living with me and she hasn't been. So that's interesting. Yes. Germ theory really was the only way to look at it. Exactly. It just wouldn't add up. It would be illogical. I think I've been sick three times in 30 years, honestly. Is that right? Um, wow. Because it's not, it's not mandatory with healthy bodies to get sick. Bodies get sick because they're out of balance and they're they in such a state of compensation. It's, it's like when you, when you overjiggle the pinball machine and it tilts. Getting sick is the body saying, I am tilting right now. And if you know how to read the language of the body, then you know what remedies to apply, what teas, what herbs, what to abstain from. And there's a whole language of the body and it's a super intelligence. And there's a lot of that on my website so people can go there. And I'll be always adding to that conversation because I think the body is the senior intelligence of the two of us. There's Jesse and there's Jesse's body. And I'm saying for the record, my body is the more intelligent of the two of us. And I think it's pretty obvious I'm pretty smart. <laughs> right. So your body is almost acting independently of you. It's got a consciousness of its own, basically. Well, I'll make it a little bit better than that. It's almost, but here we go. Let's chew it up. The body is always eavesdropping to our consciousness, and yet it's independent, but it cannot stop eavesdropping to our consciousness. So it's interdependent that way. It it, it doesn't want most of what we're thinking. <laughs> right. Here's the thing, right? I, I, I had a pretty nasty dose of the flu over Christmas. Now, don't roll your eyes. I can see you, even though I can't see you. Do, do not roll your eyes at me, Jesse. Just because I'm a bloke, right? Because I'm a man. I did. I did have a nasty dose of it. The thing that disappointed me about that was since the beginning of the autumn, I've been taking zinc, vitamin D3 and vitamin C um, regularly. And magnesium, maybe. I, I, I don't know. But but all the time, and I'm a fit guy. I'm underweight, really, for for my size. I'm a runner, right? And I still got this rotten dose of the flu. And yet, you know, people. I don't mean you now, but but other people I've known over the years would have said, Richie, if you take your D three, your zinc, and and all of that, you should be able to navigate the winter without getting unwell. And yet, I got very unwell. I don't understand. Well, I can help you understand that that the the baseline supplements that you were doing is really just the beginning of how to stay well. Um, and I mentioned this very briefly when we first started talking, you and I, about COVID-19 way long ago. But remember I said, parasites, man, that's the whole story behind all this. Yeah. If people do not treat their parasites clearly and cleanly, they're always going to be getting flus and colds and COVID-25s and 56s and whatever, because parasites aren't handled in our medical doctor model properly. They're just not. So it's chronic. Everybody has them. And I guarantee you, you have them. And they wax and wane with the full moon and the new moon. Full moon, they explode in a reproductive cycle. There's a ton of ammonia released. All of our respiratory organs start filling up with ammonia, whereupon they must produce massive amounts of mucus to start not 
burning tissue because <laughs> ammonia burns tissue. So lots of mucus, lots of mucus. Uh, the ammonia collects in our joints and our muscles because the liver can't take it all. We ache, we hurt all over. And you better believe the body's going to run a fever at that point. It's like, I got to turn on all afterburners. I've got to take care of getting this stuff out. Uh, parasites carry viruses. Uh, when we have a parasite explosion and we have some viruses entering our system from them dying and giving them to us, we are really susceptible to bacterial overloads and all kinds of, of other things. So we have to treat parasites twice a month. And then there's a whole nother issue, which is a modern human issue, which is chronic yeast fungus overgrowth, which every modern civilized person has. And it happens from taking one antibiotic ever or from never being breastfed. And this is a tiny microorganism that, again, our medical model just goes, and it's inhabiting all of us, trying to eat us alive. And it feeds off the Guinness stout, the beers, the wines, the champagnes, the cheeses that have molds, the breads that have yeast, any kind of sugars. And let's just look at the standard diets out there. And we can instantly see, oh, I get it. These two issues, big pharma doesn't really train their doctors to address effectively. They stay chronic and big pharma gets to sell a bucket load of over-the-counter symptom relievers and this stuff is slowly taking the bodies down and that's all by design just by neglecting a few areas of care by our trained medical model there is a, a wealth of information on your website drjesse.life and you will find dr jesse keener on on twitter as well jesse final question today thanks for coming on but it's been an absolute tonic having you on uh, today you um listen i'm you've you've kind of converted me to to your optimism you know what i meant earlier on when i said they're never going to give up with the mrna program because i do believe they do want to continue with these mrna jabs that that's what it what i mean is that pharma will never concede the jabs are harming people and the media will never cover it but but maybe i'm wrong and i hope i am wrong and, and there is a little bit of news on that. Um, Senator Rand Paul, uh, speaking of the, the, the Twitter files and speaking of Anthony Fauci, Rand Paul is swearing, and by swearing we mean he's pledging his soul uh, almost that, that he will expose Anthony Fauci. Are you optimistic, finally, that this particular oh, yeah. guy, because Fauci is like Chris Whitty here and Jonathan Van Tam here, I shouldn't say this, it's not very journalistic of me, but evil incarnate, I'm going to say it. Do you think we'll eventually get these guys? Oh, I totally do. And here's what's really bizarre. Way back in early April of 2020, right after we came back from Mexico caused COVID, I was watching Mr. Trump do one of his pressers. It was one of his early pressers. And when he brought Mr. Fauci and Susan Burks out in front of the world, I turned to my husband, I said, oh, my God, he is setting them up. And my husband just kind of looked at me and, but I knew it because that's my gift. My gift is inner knowing. I don't always know everything, but when I know, I know, and I don't even know how I know, but I knew it. And yes, I am very optimistic. This is all going to get blown up. Robert Kennedy is going to get redeemed. Rand Paul is my hero. I, I watch everything he does with bated breath because he's amazing. And yeah, they're taking him down. I look forward to next time. You mentioned your daughter earlier on might be listening. What's her name, Jesse? Harina Clark. Harina. 
Yep. Is that right? Her- with the ca- okay, excuse me, Karina. Karina, if you are listening, by the way, how are you? And uh, lovely to uh, to have you uh, on board listening this evening. Jessie can be found online, as I've said already, drjessie.life. And you can follow her on Twitter. Look for Dr. Jessie Keener. It's been a pleasure, Jessie. Thanks so much for sharing some of your time with us today. And all I can say is good luck and Godspeed to you. And same to you, Richie. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Jesse. Dr. Jesse Keener live on Wednesday's Richie Allen Show. The time is 13 minutes to the top of the hour. What a tonic. What a tonic. Thanks to Jesse for that. I'm going to get to some of your messages now before I run out of time. And while I'm doing that, I suppose I can mention that which I kind of tagged, not tagged. What did I do? I I kind of signed, I signed posts that are signed up. I... I Power of English is gone. It's deserted me. <laughs> yes, I mentioned, didn't I, on the show Monday, I think it was Monday, that there would be something new coming. Now, I don't know exactly when this is going to happen, but it, it'll be sooner, I suppose, rather than later. I've been flirting with the idea for years, and we've talked about it for years, of getting my better half to do her own podcast. And We've, we've discussed it. We've chatted about it from time to time. And I've said, look, why, why don't you do a podcast? Now, she is an accountant and works for a very big company and works very, very, very hard. Time constraints were always really the issue there. But she's hugely interested in natural healing. She's massively interested in spirituality in where we've come from, how we got to be here, and many issues like this. And I've asked her, would she be interested in doing a a one-to-one interview with, with one person, maybe once a week, maybe once a fortnight, for a half an hour or 45 minutes or an hour, with no time constraints, really. If it went an hour, it could go an hour. And she's up for that. She's really up for it, in fact. And we're discussing how we would go about it at the moment. And what I would do then would be I would put that out as a podcast on podomatic.com. It would then go to iTunes and, and all the rest of it. So she's very much interested in uh, the idea. She reads a lot of books by really interesting authors about the origins of humanity, about where we are going, who we are, what we are really, energetic beings and and all of this, and as I mentioned, energy healing. And some of these books, she's really taken by them. And I suggested, well, maybe you should get some of these authors to maybe speak to you, maybe do one a week, and she's up for that. And she's a brilliant listener. She's an extraordinary listener, which is a prerequisite, I think, for anybody who is going to do a podcast or even to do a live radio show. She's terrific. She never misses a trick and annoys me from time to time, you see, when I finish doing this programme. It doesn't happen a lot, thank God, but it does happen when she'll say to me, you could have asked this question of this person, and I would think, yeah, you've got me there. I might have taken it down that particular road. So so, so that's kind of exciting for me anyway. You know, I've got this incredibly sophisticated state-of-the-art studio right here. She's right here. And um, there's no nepotism now here at all. I'm very precious when it comes to the Richie Allen show, you know, and to the image of the show. I believe the show is very professional. I produce it professionally. I'm a professional producer and I'm a a professional broadcaster, although you wouldn't know it sometimes. 
And I wouldn't just have anything on the program and I wouldn't put the program's name behind anything. It isn't nepotism. She's genuinely very, very good. And she's got a wonderful personality. So that's exciting and that will happen sooner rather than later. I would imagine sometime in the very early spring and I will, you know, be of of help to her, I suppose, from time to time in sourcing guests for that. But she's got plenty of people she's met, you know, over the last few years, people like Mark and others who would be helpful there for her. So that's something exciting. That would go out as a standalone podcast and maybe once a week, maybe once a week, not maybe, probably once a week, I would play it following one of these programmes. So I would finish up at seven o'clock and then play maybe the previous week, excuse me, weekend's podcast with uh, with herself. So there you go. Something, something a bit different maybe. And again, that would be the theme, the esoteric, the nature of reality, you know, healing. And I think she'd be brilliant at it. Okie doke. Thank you for your messages, by the way. Some of you are just delighted that I got uh, Dr. Jesse to speak about germ theory versus terrain theory. <laughs> Dr. Jesse Keener. That's J-E-S-S-I-E-K-E-E-N-E-R. You'll find her online. Patricia says, I, I never use the expression of I feel sick. I truly believe that our subconscious mind will give us what we say, what we need. Although I've been around people with different ailments, I never let my mind believe that it will happen to me. Yes, it has a lot to do with physical health, but I also think some of us just think that being sick is acceptable. I have no doubt that some people will get sick, says Patricia. No judgment at all. Thanks so much for that, uh, Patricia. And Brambo says, Richie, there's only one thing wrong with homeopathy. And that's the same as the conclusion of the tale of the old empty barn. Namely, that there's nothing in it. And then Brambo says, I've probably forgotten more medical science than your guest has ever known. That's very humble of you, Brambo. Thanks for your comment. Uh, the sarcastic window cleaner says, Hi Richie, after about three years of being unsure about germ theory and terrain theory, I'm firmly in the camp of terrain theory. And then you mentioned that you're into health, the gym, martial arts, etc. You haven't seen a doctor in over 20 years. You haven't met your current doctor, don't even want to. And then you've mentioned a book that maybe I might want to read. Thank you. Um, herself came back to say... Um, she's right, Richie. You have parasites. I hope I don't. There are plenty of parasites around. There's enough parasites in the world. And then herself says they create a craving for sweets and for Bacardi and Coke. Well, you see, if that's the case, my gut, my gut biome will always be a safe haven for, for, for parasites because I'm never giving up the occasional Bacardi and Coke. Never. Uh, never. Don't even start with that. It's not happening. God, we, it's, it's the little pleasures. Why deny ourselves the little pleasures? Faisal says that Russia might have its own vaccine, but then that's their own big pharma. Still an unnecessary and dubious injection, he says, and they still had a tyrannical lockdown. That's right, Faisal. They did lock their people down too. Hi to Thomas. Thank you, Thomas, for your message about the measles there. 
Really appreciate that. Lots of messages came in during my chat with Jesse. I did probably cover pretty much most of what you've been speaking to me about on the website, so thank you. We're fast approaching uh, four minutes to the top of the hour, so it's just about time for me to get the hell out of Dodge. I'll be back with you tomorrow, of course. Uh, what day is tomorrow? Thursday? Yes, tomorrow, Thursday, at 5 o'clock UK time. Just to mention, The Richie Allen Show is archived. It is a live radio show. It will always be a live radio show, Monday to Thursday and Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. But the weekly, the weekday programme is archived at richieallen.podomatic.com. If you miss an episode, you can catch it there. You can catch the latest episode on my website, richieallen.co.uk. The programme goes to iTunes, to Podbean, to Podcaster, any podcast host you can think of. The programme eventually appears on those uh, platforms. So so there you go, it's always archived. That's a kind of it for me then for today. Is there something else? No, there's not. No, that's okay. I thought there might be something else. Um, stay in touch with me via the website, via Twitter, for information on the guests and forthcoming programmes and all the rest of that. There was something else that's doing me bloody head in now that I wanted to mention, but no. Uh, let me just... Have I had a message back from Andrew Bridgen? Because a number of you have continued to ask me, why did I not get Andrew Bridgen on the programme? <laughs> he was invited. He was invited at Christmas time. He was invited before then, and he was invited today. And they've declined. He's declined to come on. I do ask, you know, I do request interviews with these people. But for the most part, particularly when they're in the public eye, they decline to come on. That's it for today's programme. Closing out with Bob Dylan. Bye.